0: shivan pot and uh, this is commander flying solo poor Phil's laptop has decided to fly away to the great CRT in the sky and because of that you guys get to listen to me talk about my thoughts on the new commander ban list and our thoughts on m20 because that's got a whole brick of crazy cards for uh, magic coming up and it's pretty bananas actually for a core set it's actually completely bananas Um. So, and if you have any questions in Twitch chat, I will do my best to answer them. But in the meantime, before we get there, we need to talk about our sponsors. So, we are sponsored by two people, specifically you guys at home, who sit and listen and watch us on YouTube, listen to us on uh on your mp3 players, or on Twitch, and we are grateful each and every one of you. Support our podcast by sharing it with your friends, because word of mouth is the best way to get our, um, our show around. You can also support us by going to CommanderInMTG forward slash donations and either going to our Patreon, going to our GoFundMe, or just donating directly via PayPal. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and bring you the best Commander content and interviews that we can each and every week. Um, We're also sponsored by Quiver. Quiver makes the most amazing uh, cases and deck boxes and sleeves. And it's a phenomenal company run by a really, really great set of people. And my Quiver case is maybe my favorite magic accessory I've ever bought. I bought it before they started sponsoring us. I would have bought it even without their sponsoring us. Uh, The thing is basically indestructible. It's um, waterproof. You could take it through an airport. And it carries up to six EDH decks double-sleeved, and that's pretty bananas. Um, And each month, we run a contest to give away Quiver products, and we just did our giveaway for the month of June, and we'll be doing our giveaway for July, coming shortly. Um, And that's not really why you're here, though. You're here tonight to listen to me talk about our three band topics, religion, politics, and Hearthstone. And you know how I'm going to do that? By talking about the band list. Yes, my friends, we're going to be talking about the most important shakeup to the Commander format in a very long time. This is maybe the biggest, let's see, the last time there was a band list update was four years ago, if you can believe it. And the last time there was a rules update was when we just shifted from the Vancouver Mulligan to the... um, to the London Mulligan, and before that from Partial Paris to Vancouver. So it's been a really long time. Oh, and I guess the Tuck rule. And it's been a really long time since we've updated anything at all about Commander. So this is going to be kind of a big deal. Because uh, it's actually been quite a big shakeup this time. What's happened is that we have banned Iona, Shield of America, and Paradox Engine from being used in building Commander decks, and we have freed Painter's Servant from the annals of the band list that has been stuck at for a thousand million years since like the beginning of the format and finally finally people are able to use the most beautiful masterpiece card that ever been printed Um, we also did a huge update to the format philosophy the philosophy of commander was always kind of a very nebulous thing with this general idea of what does it mean to be a commander player with the socials um, with the uh, social contract and all that sort of thing and so we in the CAG decided that we really wanted the commander group to actually hammer out and make it specified, uh, specific as to what we're actually talking about. What is Commander about? Because one of the big things is that since Commander started about 20 years ago or so, the format has grown immensely and is completely different from where it was. Like, for instance, you used to have to pay six to pay for your commander. You used to only be able to use elder dragons as your commander. You used to be able to tuck your crew, um, to tuck the commander into the deck and force people to play Highlander. None of these things apply anymore. But the thing is, some of the cards that have been on the banned list since then have been there forever. And frankly, I think that there's a lot of these cards have just been outpowered by cards that are open and free. And we should be reevaluating what's going on with them. So first, um, you know, let's talk about Painter Servant because that's the unbanning. That's a big one. Um, Painter Servant, for those of you who don't know, let me pull it up and read it. It's one of the neatest Johnny cards ever made. And I know there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of people who look at us like, why would you bring back Painter Servant? It's vintage playable. Well, the thing is, so Painter Servant's a 1-3 artifact creature, a Scarecrow for all you running uh, Reaper King, that costs 2 mana. And what it does is, when it comes to play, you choose a color. All cards in, that aren't in play, all spells, and all permanents are the chosen color in addition to their other colors. This came out during the Shadow block, where color was a big thing and where um, a lot of the, the color of your card mattered a lot for the purpose of effects and things but what happened was that there was a card called grindstone that had been printed like a million years before that which was basically a millstone variant that said "Mill the top two cards of your opponents or target opponent's library if they share a color do it again now maybe you guys noticed that uh if painter servant is making every card the same color then uh you can kind of just deck them with two mana instantaneously and just go to town but i there's also a lot of other kind of broken things you can do However, there are all sorts of interesting and fun and tricky Johnny things you could be doing as well. There's lots of just neat combos, and I think if in a 100-card singleton format where you're not allowed to have multiple copies of Servant multiple copies of Grindstone, it's really not as easy as you'd think to combo off. And if you do, that's just another infinite two-card combo, and there's a ton of those in EDH already. Now... The other trick is that these are also artifacts. Artifacts are the easiest card to remove in EDH. Everybody, or one of the great staples of the format, I don't want to say everybody, because obviously everybody has a million different decks, but one of the staples of the format is basically, like, you know, Shatterstorm style effects, effects that destroy all artifacts. It's almost trivial to use a Cross and Verge, or uh, not Cross and Verge, a Cross and Grip, or any of these kinds of artifact destruction spells in all five colors to be able to kind of handle this and just go and ruin painter servant but the other thing is it's just this card is not as bad i mean there's so many two card combos like exquisite uh, sanguine blonde and exquisite blood that go infinite or i mean the number of two card combos in edh is kind of as long as the sun right so i thought that painter servant really should come off because it's not that bad it's not that hard to deal with and if you get it to go off once or twice that's fine the card that really made painter servant really really bad and worthy of being on the banned list was a card that we actually just banned iona shield of Ameria. this card is maybe the most frustrating and irritating card in all of magic next to leovold And Leovold is, as folks know, my number one uh, pick for the single worst card in the history of the game. And uh, I refuse to let anybody disagree with me, because Leovold sucks. I'm sorry, that's just the truth. Uh, But Iona Shield of Ameria is... I don't know why they printed this card, I'll be honest, this card is miserable. Iona Shield of Ameria says... Uh, well, first off, it costs nine mono, which is why it didn't get banned in the first place. But that is actually just kind of a uh, red herring. So it's a legendary angel, 7-7. Seven, seven, and it says: As Iona's shield of Mary enters the battlefield, choose a color. Your opponents can't cast spells of the chosen color. I hate this card. This card is against everything that I think EDH stands for. Because what it's doing is. For instance in conjunction with something like painter servant yeah you could lock out the whole table and that would be a miserable experience but in practice what iona does is it doesn't say that everybody can't play it says that you can't play because when iona comes into play what happens is that everybody sits there and goes oh god please don't pick me please don't pick my major color please don't pick the color that i'm actually playing and what ends up happening is let's say you're at a table with like the mono blue blue player and like then there's a bunch of people like there's a Rakdos guy and then there's a Gruel person and you're mono green and they're all sitting there hoping that the dice falls somewhere else, right? Iona comes down and picks blue. Now mono blue is, unless they countered the spell, they're out of the game. And the other players aren't going to sit there and kill Iona so that blue can play, right? They're going to sit there and say like, man, thank God that wasn't me. And it's miserable because it's not even that I killed you. It's that you're sitting here, you can play land, but you can't play magic. You're just done i mean and if you're playing a card that like has a hard time getting rid of this like you know you're colorless like you're uh playing mono white or you're playing uh mono red or something like that and you're just sitting there like well gg i guess uh let me know when i can play that sucks that is against everything that i think commander stands for because for me commander is about and we wrote this in the philosophy document too and a lot of people agreed but a lot of people disagreed but let me just kind of spell my point out here. The idea is that for me, Commander is about getting together with your friends to play Magic. Magic is kind of just the catalyst of why you got her together it's not necessarily about winning or losing uh, competition or not though some people that is a big deal but for me what uh, the ideal scenario of EDH is we're all together we're gonna be hanging out for three four hours maybe one night a week it's hard when you're an adult to get that time if you got a job and a family maybe even just you're busy you've got life you're sitting there with your friends you pull out your hundred card decks and you're just slinging things you pull out your combos you do weird things EDH is about doing insanely powerful things that's the point right but Iona says, you don't get to play. Everybody else gets to play, but you got to sit there and watch and hope. And you have to hope that somebody takes pity on you, kills Iona, and lets you play. And I think that's just wrong. Now, people have been saying things like, yo, I can play Winter Orb, and I can play Stacks and I can play all these things, Stasis Lock. I can play these other miserable Stacks effects that prevent other people from playing. But that's okay. You didn't ban any of those. Yeah, you know why? Because Stax hits the whole table. If I'm playing Smokestacks, if I'm playing uh, Stasis, I'm probably a miserable person. But also, I'm hitting the whole table, except for me, because I built a deck to let me do that. However, what that means, though, is that everybody can sit there and say, Okay, you know what? You win, stacks, yeah, That's cool. We can shuffle up and start over. In an Iona game, when one or two players got locked out, they're locked out. You're still playing. They now have wasted their three hours of their life. They can't do anything. That is to me unforgivably bad I think like everybody's like Iona's been around for 10 years why didn't you ban it and I'm like I don't know why it didn't get banned it should have been banned I think it should have been banned on printing a card that says you can't is just not acceptable to me and I know a lot of people are going to look at that like oh my god she even wants to ruin commander forever he hates everything he's trying to destroy us he's trying to tell us how to play no dude I'm not telling you how to play I'm saying you can't let other people not play you know, the whole point, the operative word there is play. If you can't play Commander, what are you doing? I don't have time to sit here. I didn't come all this way to just sit and watch you play. That sucks. Like putting out a Mindslaver or something. I mean, Mindslaver is also terrible. If like, For instance, just recently there was a new episode of Game Nights that came out where uh, it was able to... Amaz was playing, and he was able to recur Mindslaver and use it against Josh Lequois' deck a number of times, and Josh didn't get a turn for, like, six turns. But his deck got played. He just didn't get to do it. That's a lot like the Iona experience for me. You're sitting there, and you're like, look, man, I've got my cards. I was hoping to show off something or even just hang out. But now I'm pulling out my phone and, you know, playing Words with Friends, I guess. Well, maybe not with friends, because you guys are playing something else. That sucks. That's just not cool that's like to me a cardinal sin right like that's against the rules of commander commanders about us being able to have fun yeah it's about I mean look CEDH exists competitive commander exists I'm not gonna pretend that it doesn't and there are people whose goal out there is to sit there and be the best they can be show off the most skillful play they can show and that's amazing do it within the confines of the commander format it's amazing it's super cool Right? Like, it's really, really cool to sit there and watch people who are playing at the height of magic hammer their decks into each other with crazy combos and doing insane things. But when you're sitting with your casual buddies and just having a good time, I want to encourage people to play decks that let everybody have that good time. If that's like called you know being dictatorial and telling you what you can and can't play no nah, dude if you want to play iona and you ask everybody and everybody's like yo okay let me pull out my you know gitrog deck and let me pull out my you know protean hulk deck and then you guys know what you're doing and then like we pull out enchantress and everybody is everybody's ready for it awesome do it have fun make that establishment with your group go for it have a good time but if you're out of fnm or if you're at a gp and you're playing with other people, and you sit there, and you pull out Iona. And then the kid comes over with his, like, you know, his Wind Grace check, or the precon that he just picked up at the con. First time, sits down to play Commander with a straight-out-of-the-box pre-con. You look at it, and you're like, okay, uh, Mr. Cat deck guy, you can't play white. Half of the cards in your deck are now useless. That is a miserable experience. Not to mention, you know, Iona comes out on turn two. Let's be real. It's not coming out on turn nine. This is a commander. We can do broken things. And that's actually one of the most important parts of the philosophy document that I think we added that I liked a lot, is that Commander lets you do broken things. It's the biggest format of the most widely acceptable list of cards. We've only got 20 cards on the ban list. Out of 18,000 cards that exist in Magic, we've got 20. That is the smallest ban list of any format there is. And we can sit there and let you do every insane combo and busted thing you can do. You can break Commander in half. We just ask that you don't. And no, not even that. We don't ask that you don't. We say, you know what, man? Go ahead. Break your game in half. That's cool. We do it. I love doing it. I love going infinite with Brea. I'm not going to lie. That's awesome. But what I'm asking is let other people play. And sometimes that means Iona has just got to go. Because I don't think Iona lets people play. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fun. I don't think it's fair. And I don't think it's just good commander. Iona might be great if you're playing in, like, a cutthroat hardcore deck, but I think for the average use case of people playing Commander, no, she's not. Like, this is a hill that I'm willing to die on, and uh, I know that there's a lot of people out there who disagree with me. There's a lot of people out there who also say, you know what, man, I've been turned to Iona out of a game way too many times. Thank you. And look, the choice is yours. I don't want to stop people from playing crazy town decks. I love playing crazy town decks. I just want to make sure that everybody's going to the table and having the most fun that they can. Even if that means losing, losing is fine. It's part of the game. But being able to play is why we're here. We're not here so that I can watch you play. I don't need to be here to do that. And Iona doesn't need to be here to do that either. The other card that we banned, this one is a little bit more controversial, but also not very controversial, is Paradox Engine. The card that's so good that it created a notion in the community that, hey, is this card Paradox Engine good? When a card it gives its name to being the top power level of a card, maybe that means that somebody needs to be taking a look at it, right? The idea is that Paradox Engine is a 5 mana legendary artifact that says when you cast a spell, untap all non-land permanents you control. In Commander, that means a ton of mono rocks, a ton of artifacts etc cetera, etc cetera. you can do crazy combos with this thing the thing is the joke is that paradox engine will combo with a ham sandwich right like it'll combo with you breathing too hard for the most part it was okay but if I'll be honest with you since the CAG started the number one call for banning that I've been getting is please ban paradox engine the number two call we've been getting is for flash but I'll talk about that in a minute the thing is though everybody has been like yo Ban Paradox Engine. The thing is hella broken. Why wouldn't you ban it? What are you doing? Ban it. It's crazy. And I was like I don't want to ban every card. This card's fine. I mean it doesn't do anything by itself right? It's just a it's just an engine card. It says so on the box. And then Wizards came out with uh, Modern Horizons. And in Modern Horizons they printed a card. Uh, You guys might be familiar with it. It's uh, called Urza. Urza is insane. Urza is bananas good. It's just like okay. So aside from the part that says you know create a construct or whatever, Urza says tap an untapped artifact you control, add a blue mana, pay five, shuffle your library, then exile the top card until your last ter- until the end of your turn. You can play that card without paying its mana cost. Now I don't know about you, but if I have a bunch of artifacts, let's say treasure tokens or whatever, sitting there. I tap a million of them, and then I cast a spell. Paradox Engine untaps it. I can go infinite without breathing. It is bananas. Now, the problem with Paradox Engine, that was before, is that Paradox Engine turns take forever. It's not even necessarily that Paradox Engine itself is bad, but it's that when you've got a commander boards it with like 9 million cards on the table, and you sit there and go like, yo, I've got a Paradox Engine off right now, your turn's going to take like 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes. And that's just not a good experience for everybody else who has to sit there and watch you. It's a non-deterministic combo either. There's no way to, like, for you to shortcut and say like, yo, I'm going to Paradox Engine. Eventually you might be able to. But the idea is that you're going to sit there with Paradox Engine and Urza and Paradox Engine and like, I don't know, anything else you want and go infinite and I got to just sit there and wait. That's not a good experience for an eventual death that may someday come. Or it might just fizzle if you miss. That sucks. This card was, it goes against a lot of the rules of kind of just the gameplay that EDH is going for. I understand that in CEDH, Paradox Engine was a good tool to help kind of handle the uh, Flash Protean Hulk issue or handle some of the other combos It gave you another powerful tool. And I'm sorry. I understand that CEDH has a lot of, like, needs and a lot of, like, just functions that are different than what uh, multiplayer EDH is looking for. But, for the vast majority of players, it was fun to be playing Paradox Engine if you were the person piloting Paradox Engine. It wasn't fun to be the person watching somebody pilot Paradox Engine. And someone asks, like, what? Did Paradox Engine have to die for Earth of Sins? Well, here's the thing. Let's let's talk about this. And This is not a rules committee issue. This is a Shiva Concerned. this is just me talking on my own like this is just my opinion my opinion is that Urza is the most popular character in the history of magic Urza is a card that we have begged for for 20 years I know I've wanted to play Urza since my first antiquities back right like Urza is insane he's amazing why wouldn't you want to play as Urza and they gave us Urza's headless planeswalker thing that was cool fine whatever i guess they give us blind seer. that doesn't count unless you're a real vorthos but we had never gotten a real amazing bananas urza card they gave us one and it's hella cool look it's busted i get it but it by itself it's not more busted than any other commander out there but with paradox engine we would have been faced with a choice in six months or something like okay well i guess we're banning urza i'm like no no, I'm not. I I refuse to let them ban the most iconic creature in, like the most iconic character in Magic. That's silly. Like people want to play Urza way more than they want to play Paradox Engine. I mean, that may not be true, but I know that at least for the Vorthoses and the Casuals out there, we definitely do. I definitely do. And I would much rather say, you know what? Magic will always give us more Engine cards, but they're not going to give us another Urza. And I want Urza to be playable. Urza literally just came out, and I think the unspoken rule of um, the unspoken rule of kind of the rules committee is when a cool card comes out, you kind of want to give them three, six, nine months, a couple of seasons worth to sit there and let the card actually be played. Right? Like, preemptive banning is dumb. I stand against that. I I know that the rules committee did it once with like Worldfire or whatever, and they were definitely talking about it with like Bolus and Citadel and I talked them out of it. And frankly, I think that we should never let people play with their cards let people play with their cards that's the key point here is that urza is amazing Urza is got a super ton of potential i don't want to take away urza from people i want to build urza and i don't even like blue <laughs> but like paradox engine just enabled way too many things way too dirtily and there was just a lot of pressure from the community and from the rules committee to get rid of it I know a lot of people disagree. I know a lot of people are very angry about this. And I am genuinely apologetic. We don't want to ban cards. I hate doing that. I firmly believe that in Commander, we should let people play the cards they want. That's why I was advocating for things like we should be unbanning Academy. We should be unbanning the Moxes. We should be unbanning all these crazy expensive cards. Because I want people to play with the cards they have. That's what the whole point of Commander is. I played Commander. I started playing Commander specifically so that I could play my favorite card from forever ago. Like Mahamodi Jin and whatever, did, Pre- and all these crazy other, you know, soul Ring. I play EDH because I want to play Soul Ring. Soul Ring is my favorite card of all time. So that's why all you folks are telling me to ban Soul Ring. Never going to happen as long as I'm here. Not going to happen. I love Soul Ring. That's why I play EDH. But, like Soul Ring, Doubling Season, all these crazy things you can do. I don't want to take them away. Nobody wants to take them away. Banning sucks. It's never fun. It's never easy. Nobody comes away with it feeling good. But ultimately... The whole point is to make sure that EDH is still here. It's still viable that people who are new to the game can enjoy it as much as all of us who are old. And I'm not saying that new people are the baseline that we're going for, or that the goal is to please the new people. I'm saying that as an old hand player myself, if I sat down at a table and somebody, I want to be out of the game, I would just get up and leave. And I would be like, screw commander. This is dumb. I hate it. It's happened to me before. I've been Leavold locked out of a game, and I very nearly just gave up Commander. I've been Iona locked many times. I've been, you know, Paradox Paradox Engine is just like, it's so irritating to watch people go off Paradox Engine. The first time is cool. The third time, you're like, come on, man. Come on. I get it. Let me know when you're done. Here's my big F6. I'll see you later. (sighs) Now... About the other thing is that a lot of CDH players, the second most important card that people had asked me to ban was Flash. And I thought really hard. I fought really, really hard to try to get Flash banned. Like I went to I wrote a whole essay about it. I tried to convince the rules committee members. I did everything in my power. I got even Rachel Beta and Rachel was sitting there and she was helping me. We were together trying to convince them that look, CDH is a real thing. I know that in Commander. That's not the way we play. That's not really the way we want the format to go. And we don't want to bend the game to be uh, the ideal game for the competitive EDH player. right? Like That's just not what EDH is about, really. Or at least, I don't want to say that. What I mean is, that's not what multiplayer casual EDH is about. That's not kind of the spirit of the format. But I'm also not naive. CDH exists. There are hundreds of thousands of players out there who play Crazy Town CDH decks i mean that's just the truth and because that's the truth it's my job as a member of the CAG to sit and advocate for these people because even though i don't play that way i understand that i want you guys to have the best experience to play too like i don't want you to be miserable playing edh i want you guys to have fun and flash is a card that in casual is completely useless it does nothing nobody is playing flash Flash is like a two mana card that says the next card you, uh, the next creature you cast can be cast at like instant speed for a two mana discount, and if you don't pay, it dies at the end of the turn, something to that effect. But and you use it with like Protean Hulk because when Protean Hulk dies, you can go get your combo pieces, throw them out there, and just win the game. It's a vintage playable combo. It's silly. It's really frustrating, and nobody is playing that card in uh, normal EDH. And it's just ruining CDH. I thought it would be almost a no-brainer to ban Flash. I thought, I was like, you know what? If we take this out, it's a quality of life improvement for a huge chunk of our fandom, and it makes our ha- games happy and easier for no cost to us. And if we please the CDH players, that's great. I want every EDH player to be happy. But there's a, it's, that's a tough battle to fight because there's a lot of entrenched idea... About what it means to be commander right commander is a casual format it's not a tournament format on purpose it's meant for people to be able to break away and play magic the way we used to on the sidewalk without sleeves scratching your cards up that's the whole point right and so we're just here to sit there and say like look I want everybody to sit there and be able to play casual fun magic again I want people to sit there and play, you know what, I'm bringing my jellyfish tribal deck and you're bringing your, like, oops all spells deck and we're going to just sit there and see what happens and it's great because it's silly, because it's magic, because it's fun. Magic should be fun. That's all the band list is at the heart. The band list is, do these cards increase fun or not? And there's a bunch of cards on there that just don't. And I think Iona and Paradox Engine don't. I think there are other cards that should also be banned. Um, and I'm gonna be advocating for them too. I think Flash doesn't increase anything, and it's a net decrease to people. I think like but the thing is we don't want to have too big of a band list, right? Like the whole point is to play the cards that you own. So that's where the weird tightrope that we have to walk is. What do I ban? Do I ban things for quality of life, or do we try to negate the band list entirely and make it a free for all? No gods, no heroes, no commander band list but we can't right like that's tough there's got to be a balance and we introduce rule zero talk to your friends talk to your play talk to your table see what they're doing but there's some points where some cards are just too powerful to talk through leovold is just like it's it's just miserable there's no good things come from Leovold. there's no good things that come from iona there's no good things that come from i mean i know a lot of people want braids that's not a fun card. That's a specific type of card. Or even like my boy Raffellos. I'm desperate to get Raffellos back. But even I know that being able to just tap for 12 billion mana is not good for the format. Um, and so it's just... I don't know. Maybe CDH needs it to have its own new band list. But frankly, I don't think that's the case. Because... You know what happens when factions break off and try to make their own band list? They disappear. CDH doesn't want to disappear. They're a perfectly happy way of playing. And remember, it's not that the competitive EDH player wants to sit there and go to your FM and pub stomp people. They just want to sit there against other CDH players and play a really good game of magic. I can't fault you for that. That's fair. That's totally fair. But the problem is. Not the CDH players who call themselves CDH players who know what CDH is. The problem is people who are building CDH level decks and then bringing them to fight against my, like, you know, Arabo the cat deck. Or against my little, like, Boros soldiers deck. Those are the people who are going to play whatever is legal within the inch of the law. So we got to make sure that the law is there to give them something to build off of. I mean, what do you want? Like, some cards are just too strong for EDH. That's just the truth. And I stand by these bands. And once again, I'm super open to anybody who's got an opinion or a thought that wants to share with me and uh, bring it to my attention or bring anything to the attention of the Rules Committee because I do tell them everything that I learned from you guys. So you can just hit me up on Twitter, GearPortyGears, and uh, I will convey your messages, good or bad, to the rules committee because frankly that's what they put me on the CAG for CAG is commander advisory group but it is also the community advisory group my job is to bring the voice of the community whether you guys are playing the magic I like or not because it's not about what I like if magic was about I like what I liked counterspell would be banned <laughs> stacks would be banned but that's not going to happen that's not about that it's about what is going to make the game the best possible game it can be for the most possible people that's all it is, like the philosophy document says, we know EDH is broken, and we hope you won't so with that, I thought I would go into and um <laughs> talk about oh the Yeah, so actually, uh, the philosophy document is super interesting, and uh, maybe we'll have another episode about that another time. But I think I've kind of covered a lot of what we wanted to talk about from there. I think you guys kind of get the idea of where I stand and where I come from. And I know that, for instance, Josh Lee Kwai and Jimmy Wong of the Command Zone released their own reaction to the list, which is very different from my take. And I encourage you guys to check it out because uh, the CAG doesn't always agree. The Rules Committee doesn't always agree. And it's really important for all of us to be able to present our viewpoints out there. Because frankly, like there are people who advocate for minimal band lists, there are people who activate for like very specific targeted bands. And then and I think it's just it's really fun. It's a really interesting challenge to try to figure out how we get all of these different visions for commander to come together. Now, mind you, most of us are still conservative regarding the format. We're not gonna be changing things like commander damage or infect damage or hundred card piles or anything like that. But we're always open to hearing what the community wants to say and I'm super honored and grateful that you guys have been sharing with me your thoughts on the band good or bad because I think it's really important for me to learn how we can do this better next time but now uh, let's talk about m20 m 20 is coming out at the end of this week which is uh, I guess 7 13 7 14 something like that and I was hoping that this would be a core set that I could just kind of skip over and not pay attention to because core sets have just been... Look, let's be real. War came out, then Horizons came out, then Gideon came out, then Corset came out. And even for an enfranchised hardcore like me, that's a lot. That's a lot of sets to come out. It's hard to pay attention to everything that's come out. Um. So... With that, though, M20, I was like, okay, it's just going to be a corset, It's just going to be your standard, you know, creatures bashing into each other. We can call it a day. No, they ended up making a bananas core set. What are you doing? This is crazy. Like, the legends in this set are so good. So, roughly speaking, uh, this set is kind of split along wedges, the uh, colors from uh, Tarkir, for instance. So you have the Jeskai Flyers, which is red, white, and blue. You have uh, the Abzan, or, which is green, white, and black, kind of go-wide tragedy. You have the um, Teamer Elemental, which is green, red, and blue. The Mardu Agro deck of red, white, and black. And then the Saltai aristocrats enters a battlefield kind of control stuff. And it's kind of crazy-go-nuts. Now, I'm not going to go over every card, because you guys have heard a million and one podcasts and shows kind of talk about what is what is what in here. But I am going to talk about a couple of these that I thought were uh, worthwhile. Among other things, we've got Omnath, the Locust of the Royal, who's out here. Uh, Omnath, they gave him a new color. So obviously, old Omnath started as mono green. Then there was angry Omnath, who's red and green. And now we've got Timur Omnath. I'm hoping that when we get to five-color Omnath, they just call him omni because I think that would be amazing. But uh, Omni-Nath, Locus of the Royal for one and a teamer. Uh, When it enters the battlefield, it deals damage equal to to any target equal to the number of elementals you control. So that's the theme right there, making an elemental deck. So you can finally play those air elementals you had sitting around since Alpha. Uh, And when a land enters the battlefield under your control, put one one counter on target elemental you control, including Omnath. And if you have eight or more lands, which in EDH is kind of just incidentally easy, draw a card. Now, old Omnath, when you play the land, you got elementals because you had elemental landfall. So putting these two together is just kind of going to be crazy. I think Omnath is going to be a really, really fun, maybe a little linear, but a really, really fun deck to build. And anybody here in the Twitch chat, if you've got questions about the band list or the Philosophy, uh, just go ahead and ask, and I'll answer them as we go. Um, and, folks don't hate on CDH I know it's not the way we normally play but it's a way that people play and everything is valid as long as you're letting people play so the other card I want to talk about was uh the all-seeing for three and three blue a four or five flying sphinx they've actually been upping the number of sphinxes and doing all these crazy new sphinx designs but this guy is pretty nuts uh, for two and a blue and tap uh, draw two cards and discard a card fine whatever uh, looting it's great but whenever Attemptsus the All-Seeing deals damage to an opponent, which as a 4-5 flyer probably shouldn't be too hard to do, you may reveal your hand. If cards with at least six different converted Monocosts are revealed this way, that player loses the game. That means the player that you just attacked with attempts is. Now, if you're smart and you stick a Helm of the Host on him, you could attack multiple people with attempts and maybe just attempt this to knock multiple people out of the game. I think it's going to be real fun. It's going to be really interesting to see if we can get this kind of amazing looking like Sphinx deck going and uh, There was that card from Innistrad era uh, Shadows over Innistrad where it let you pull um, cards out of your graveyard uh, As long as they had different mana costs and that card with the in some kind of green blue deck would be just bananas, I think It'd be real real fun uh Now the other one I wanted to talk about is Yarok the desecrated which is two in assault I said so two black green blue um, and this guy, I don't know, this guy is like my favorite commander that they've printed in a long time, maybe even more than like Muldrotha, and that's really hard to do because Muldrotha is banana. This guy says, I'm a 3 5 death touch lifelink. Okay, fine, that's good. I'm an elemental horror, so you can play it with Omni whenever that comes out in 10 years. Um, but if it, a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers a second time. This is Panharmonicon on a body with Death Touch and Lifelink. I cannot think of anything I want more in life than walking ambulatory Panharmonicon. And if you're playing, if you've been playing any of M twenty Sealed, you know that you can use that uh, Risen Reef card, which says whenever an Elemental comes into play, draw a card or. Reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land, put it into play. If it's not, you put it into your hand. That triggers twice with Yarok. It's gross. This card is disgusting in multiple amazing ways, and I cannot wait to see the insane insane things that people do with this card. I'm figuring that people are gonna be having turns where they're drawing like 15-20 cards. It's gonna be crazy go nuts. Um So somebody in chat asks, do I think that the increased dialogue about what cards should be banned will result in more bannings than usual? That's a very fair question. Now, one of the things is, I think actually it might not result in more bans, but it, well, it might actually. It might actually result in more bans because now that there's a broader swath of cards that the committee... One of the big problems was a rules committee with four people who live on four different parts of the country, play with four different sets of gaming groups. Right? So they're all playing a ton of commander with a ton of people, but they don't have the reach that a lot of the content creators have like thousands of people listen to my podcast each week, tens of thousands, I mean like magnitudes more listen to Josh and Jimmy. And like we hear from infinite commander players around the world who are telling us all the problems and positives that they have with the format. So we're exposed to a lot more cards, and we can bring a lot more problems to the forefront a lot faster. Now, I don't think we're going to get more bans. Like, I don't think we're going to see bans like this every month. I don't think, like, every season of Commander we put out, we're going to be banning more cards. Because nobody wants that. Or the Rules Committee might sometimes. But really, nobody wants to see a million cards get banned. That's not fun. That's still, like... Like, when people, when you ban cards from an internal format, you have to be very careful. Because there's an investment involved, both emotional and financial, right? So people lose a lot of money. People lose a lot of confidence in your game. And I don't want that. Like, nobody wants that. Like, we want to make sure that EDH is the best possible game. We don't want to just be sitting here using our power willy-nilly to go and ban everything. Now, the hope ultimately is that we take things off the ban list. A lot of those cards are on there. When you look at them they're on there for a legitimate reason for really just disgusting reasons like some of these cards are dumb (laughs) like uh you know sway of the stars that sort of thing it just resets a game and makes it super slow and miserable to play but there's cards on there like coalition relic which come on there's no reason for coalition relic to be on there like and biorhythm people want to say like oh this card will win out of nowhere you know how many cards will win commander out of nowhere like a billion jillion cards can win out of nowhere (laughs) biorhythm is just one of them and yeah it's green whatever now cards like people have been like yo i want to uh unban primetime and i want to unban sylvan primordial i did too until i realized that deadeye navigator still exists and turns out when you can deadeye navigator primetime or sylvan primordial you're basically armageddoning everybody and ramping a million times it's really disgusting so maybe those cards will need a little bit more work before we can go and actually sit and talk about whether they need to be unbanned or not um has the idea of a metric for the power of an edh deck such as the value of a deck been introduced in order to help prevent people from accidentally getting to these feel bad games i don't think that's possible you can't i mean you got to talk to other people and who knows what they're going to tell you about what's actually true about their deck or not. And we, do, I've tried, I've heard a, a dozen different ways to come up with neat, like heuristics and formats to like, and scales with which to measure your EDH deck by. And I think ultimately the only way, like I know I've been like, yo, this is a six because I'm a low powered magic player. My six might be, I don't know, somebody else's three, right? Like when you're talking about a hundred card decks built out of 18,000 cards, It's going to take a lot of work to figure out what actually means anything. Um, So, going back to M20 for a second, um, the card that I'm super excited about is Golos Tireless Pilgrim, the artifact creature scout for five colorless, to three five that says, when it enters the battlefield, you can search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield tapped. Now, land is not a basic land. A land means I can go and grab that strip mine, that maze of it, that... uh, Tolarian, I mean, the guy's cradle, you know, whatever land you need. It could also be the plains you need, you know. It also says, for two and a Wuburg, exile the top three cards of your library, and you can play them this turn without paying their mana costs. That's amazing. That's amazing. I want to, every turn, sit there and play multiple cards out of my library. I think this guy's going to be real fun to build. I think it's going to be really fun to work with Ramos, for instance, or with the new new Niv-Mizzet. I could see a lot of cool usage for this and I'm just excited to see where this guy goes um, and then the last let's see the last of uh, the legend I want to talk about today is Gargos the vicious watcher for three and three green the eight seven Hydra I just love that I love that it's an eight seven vigilant Hydra that's so dumb and then it says Hydra spells you cast cost four less to cast now, people are like, oh man, Hydroid Crisis. I'm like, yeah, but this guy's mono-green, is blue-green, sorry. But you can play other hydras for a million jillion, or you can put this into your progenitor's deck and then tutor them out and then help like all your other hydras get super cheap. And whenever a spell you can or a creature you control becomes a target of spell, Gargos the 8-7 will fight up to one target creature you don't control. This is gross, and it's gonna be super fun. I am super stoked for this guy. Um the other legends in this set are actually really cool too. But I'm going to need a little bit more work to think about. And I didn't want to just sit and talk about just them forever. Um, yeah, and I wanted to talk about... Actually, we're getting close to my hour here. So I'm going to probably talk about one or two more cards. And then uh, we will call it a day. Because I don't want to sit here and just monologue into the camera. But um, I did want to talk about... Molder Vine reclamation which is an enchantment that costs three of black and a green whenever a creature you control dies you gain one life and draw a card that is great because there's so many black like aristocraty type decks where you when you a creature dies you lose a life and draw a card but think about this in a slime footy deck when you have Slimefoot Aristocrats and you play Moldervine Reclamation, you're pitching all those sapperlings and you're just getting to draw cards and gain life. This card is going to go into so many amazing Moldrotha-style decks or any Saltai or um, Golgari type of um, Aristocrats deck. And the fact that it's uncommon just makes me super happy. Like this deck... I, God, this set is so dumb. <laughs> this, is, this might be one of the best core sets we've had in quite some time. And I loved Origins. I loved M14. Okay, you know what, actually? Maybe the core sets have just always been good and I've just been really too elitist to notice it before <laughs> because it feels like there's a lot of really good cards coming out of all of them. Uh, I also wanted to actually let's see. I will keep talking. So there was Bag of Holding that they released. Now I played D D. Phil plays D D. We're hardcore gamers. Bag of Holding is one of the most iconic fundamental D&D items there is. It's a bag with infinite space inside that as long as you don't put a portable hole in, you can put all the stuff you want inside of there. And this card is the most flavorful top-down design. Whenever you discard a card, exile that card to your, from your graveyard. Why would I play that? That sucks. And then pay 2 and tab. Draw a card and discard a card. What, you want me to exile another card? Pay 4 and tap, discard. Uh, 4 and tap, sacrifice bag of holding. Return all the cards to exiled into their owner's hand. Whoops, I just flipped over the bag. It just blew up. And all my stuff came back. I think this card is going to be great. I think there's going to be some really, really disgusting things you can do with this. And I think, like, for instance, if you're playing with somebody who's playing Nath, this is a really great way to kind of just counterplay them. I also wanted to talk about Icon of Ancestry, which is a three-mana artifact that says, When it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. Three and tap. Look at the top three uh, cards in your library. You can reveal a creature from the chosen type of from among them and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order now this is fine this is like it's a great it's a three mana anthem which is amazing and the fact that if you're playing a hardcore tribal deck you can use this to just filter and start just jamming a lot of the creatures into your hand but because it's commander three cards into your deck is not a lot so this is like I'm I'm kind of putting in a maybe board. The art is beautiful. I kind of want to play it, but I'm still waiting to see if it's actually going to be good. Uh, Shivam, did you play a lot of Spellfire back in the day? Oh man, Spellfire. Spellfire is an absolutely terrible D&D based game. I have a full set of all the Dragonlance Spellfire cards. I'm never going to play it, but I'm just happy to own it. Um, finally, let's see an artifact I want to talk about. Mystic Forge. Yeah, you want to talk about a good reason to ban Paradox Engine? Uh, This is a 4-cast-cost artifact. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast the top card of your library if it's an artifact or a colorless non-land card. So, yeah, for all you playing Brea or Affinity or Eldrazi, this is crazy-go-nuts. Tap, pay one life, exile the top card of your library. Hey, was that Mox not on top of your library? Pitch whatever was there and make the other one. This card is going to show up in a lot of A lot of combos i think it's gonna be real fun i'm probably gonna slot into bray i'm not gonna lie (laughs) um and then finally let's just talk about a couple of creatures and then we will call it a day oh and lotus field you know what i'm going to talk about lotus fields right now lotus fields so lotus fields is a land that says a i have hex proof b lotus fields enter the battlefield tapped okay why the hell do i care about a lotus that enters the battlefield tapped and has hexproof. Well, good thing you asked because you know what it says next? When Lotus Field enters the battlefield, sacrifice two lands because that's what you've always wanted to do. Well, maybe just me because I play Titania. Or maybe if you're a Gitrog player or a Windgrace player, you want to discard those lands. Maybe if you're a Yarok player, don't play <laughs> Lotus Field because it'll make you do it twice and you'll sacrifice four lands. Don't do it. But you know why we go through all of this? Because the bottom line of text there says tap, add three mana of any one color. This card harkens back to one of my all-time favorite cards from Weatherlight, Lotus Veil. Lotus Veil comes into play, sacrifice two untapped lands or bury it, and tap it at three mana of any one color. But it comes into play untapped, right? This guy comes into play tapped, but the two lands that you sacrifice don't have to be tapped. So that you can tap them, use their mana, and then pitch them to get this guy. And if you're like me and you're playing Amulet of Vigor, he comes to play untapped anyways. This card is sick. It's going to be fantastic in like any kind of mono 2, 3 color EDH deck. And in Titania, oh, you better believe I'm going to be carving a slot out for this. Um, but yeah, creatures. There were a couple of creatures I wanted to talk about that I haven't heard anybody talk about. So now I'm talking about Titania. I wanted to bring up uh, the one mana rare Elvish Reclaimer, which is a 1 2, right? Uh, Elvish Reclaimer gets plus 2 plus 2 as long as there are three or more lands in your graveyard. Pay 2 and tap, sack a land, search your library for a land card, put it onto the battlefield, tapped, and then shuffle your library. In Titania or Gitrog, this is basically a repeatable engine to get your 5 3 elementals or to get your draw engine going. This card is going to be crazy nuts in any of the Windgrace family of cards. I love this. This is amazing. And it gets the cute little um, you know, bump for being the uh, all your lands in the graveyard, which is what you want in a Titanium deck anyways. Oh, I love this guy. And actually, one card that nobody has talked about that I haven't seen is from the um, intro decks, the freebie intro decks that they give out. It's called Savage Gorger. It's a 3 mana, 1 black, black, 1-1 one, one, that says, at the beginning, and it's a flying vampire. And since the beginning of your end step, if an opponent lost life this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Savage Order. Now, if you're playing a vampire deck and your opponents are just losing a grip of life, you're going to be making this guy real, real big. And I think it's just a super cute budget level, like, vampire deck. Now, these intro decks actually have a ton of really great, like... Okay, aside from just being really good starter decks, there's some really hidden gems in there that are just super good, like Aggressive Mammoth, the 8-8 eight eight that gives all your guys trample. That card's like a secret super winner. Super good, worth your time. Um, also, I wanted to talk about the Bananas card, Dread Presence. The 3-3 three, three for 4, Nightmare. Whenever, whenever a swamp enters a battlefield under your control, choose one. You draw a card and lose a life, or it deals 2 damage to any target and you gain 2 life are you kidding me whenever a swamp whenever every turn (laughs) this is insane put it into your uh gitrog deck or any other deck put it into your zombies deck put it into literally every deck that can run swamps this is so silly that'll let you just get like infinite value off of this thing (sighs) this is gross this this card is going to be like a staple and then you know we're going ooh so you know what dread presence combos with when you draw a card and lose that life vengeful warchief for the four and a black four four for an orc warrior whenever you lose life for the first time a turn put a plus one plus one counter on vengeful warrior okay I'll draw play a swamp draw a card lose a life my four four becomes a five five swing to attack I'll do that every turn any day you want that's disgusting i actually really want to do this that is super gross um yeah god this set's got a lot of crazy go nuts in it it's gonna be really really fun i mean not even talking about flood of tears for instance which is the new blue bounce for six which says return all online permits to the owner's hand and if you return four or more permits you control then you can put a permanent from your hand onto the battlefield yes i think i will And like Repeated Reverberation, the uh, Double Fork, which for two and two red, says whenever you cast an instant, uh, next cast an instant sorcery or activate a Planeswalker Loyalty ability, copy that ability twice. That means you get three instead of one. This is going to be great. Corset M20 is worth it. Like, I'm not going to lie, this set is amazing. I'm surprised to find myself so excited for it but i'm looking forward to seeing what we can do i think there's gonna be a lot of edh staples come out of this set and uh, i can't wait to talk to you guys about it so until next time uh that's been commander and i'm shivan putt you can find me on uh twitter at garapuri gears or at commander and mtg uh our website is Commander and uh thank you all for listening and we will see you next week hopefully with a full contingent once again and if not come see us at uh at magic fest in las vegas it's going to be amazing there's going to be insane amounts of commander content and i'm going to be there with as many decks as i can carry in my quiver so with that uh thank you so much and have a good night